is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to the making and the remaking of a codependent mind. We talk about codependency as an interpersonal disorder, behaviors that arise in interpersonal relationships. But that leaves out a whole bunch of relationships that are very central to many of our lives, our relationship with our pets. Right. And codependency can show up in all kinds of different relationships, including ones with our pets. So we're going to use this episode to give voice to our pets and talk about the ways in which codependent behaviors can show up in those relationships as well. We're going to focus on the two big ones, dogs and cats. Yeah. And and this is something that has come up for a while now, just because I have experience with both dogs and cats. And I thought, you know what? It seems as though maybe I was acting codependently with them just as much as I was with the humans in my life. Before we talk more about that, and not to wade into the dog and cat controversy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I will acknowledge I'm a dog person. I like cats, but the pets that I have loved deeply have been dogs. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of along the similar lines. Although, yeah, I've had both and I enjoyed my cats, but in a much more just like hands-off sort of way, which I think maybe is an experience of a lot of people. Well, and this is very unscientific, but observationally, <laughs> if we're going to make a broad generalization, it seems like dogs fall on the codependent spectrum and <laughs> cats fall on the narcissist spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes along with running jokes that I've seen about the two, you know, just the the cats being sort of the the rulers of the house and the dogs being the ones that are just always there to serve. I mean, certainly dogs are very attuned to humans, their emotions, their behaviors. Like, that seems to have been a... We talked about codependency as a survival strategy when you have very little power. And that does seem that dogs, as they evolved from their wolf ancestor, <laughs> decided that the way that they were going to get their needs met was to align themselves with with humans. Yeah, and I've had that experience with the pets that I've owned, is, is that it felt very much like they were in tune with my emotions, not necessarily that they knew what they were, or they were trying to control them, like, say, a human codependent person would. But just that I was having them. Like if I was displaying, this would happen regularly when I worked from home and I had dogs in the house and I'd be getting upset with something and say, start swearing at the computer. And certain dogs did it more than others, but would come up and, and you know, start scratching my leg. Like, is everything okay? You know? For sure. No, I've had dogs kind of seem to very easily pick up on my distress and, and respond to it. And obviously they react very quickly, most of them to anger, to affection. So they seem very like a codependent, <laughs> interested in lining up right. with the more powerful person in the room. And, and then cats kind of have, seem to have this attitude, not again, every cat that we're making generalizations, but cats seem to have this attitude of like, well, screw you. Like, right, just like, whatever, I'm over what here. Are you, what are you going to do for me, right? Like, oh, okay, you're going to feed me, then I'm going to like you. And like, if I want to be petted, then you can pet me. But if I'm not interested, you know, if, if I'm not interested in you, then if I have no use for you in the time, then I'm just going to go over here and groom myself. <laughs> so in general, dogs may be codependent and <laughs> cats may be kind of narcissists. But what, why don't you, you mentioned that you had pets. And, and I think we're going to talk specifically about the pets you had when you were in the relationships with narcissists. 
Because that's when your codependent behaviors were fully activated. Yeah. And that's a good point, actually, because I grew up with dogs my entire childhood, all the way until I went off to college. And and I don't remember acting that way then. Even though I was codependent this that whole time, it just wasn't activated the same way. So I kind of went along with the way my codependent behaviors were activated overall. I was just in a severe state of codependency when I was in those two romantic relationships that we talked about so many times in this podcast, R and J. There were animals in both of those. And the animals came from the narcissist. So we'll we'll talk a little bit after this about maybe what we see narcissist relationships to animals are. But so they were in some ways an extension of R and J. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, the the relationship with R, there were a lot of animals involved. And this this was definitely something that she had brought to the equation. If it were up to me, and it, it's as of right now, I really don't care to have pets in my life. But part of that could be from that experience. But yeah, eventually I wound up having five pets in the household. It started off with just one dog, which was her dog that she brought from previous, you know, before we met. The dog was maybe five, four or five years old. And some weird thing that even I noticed at the time, as we've said in this podcast, I didn't have any idea what that I was codependent. I didn't know why I was behaving the way I was behaving or what the dynamic was, other than it was just comfortable. But something I even noticed at the time was that this dog seemed to treat me exactly the same way <laughs> as R did. And I was like, why? This is weird. You know, it's even when R wasn't around, it was basically like this was a little furry version of her. And I was like, what, what is it? What, is that, what does that look like? What do you mean treated Well, you? so, I mean, a classic sto- story I think of with the way this dog was and the way I reacted to the dog would be, say, you know, we had, of course, we had a shared bed in our shared bedroom. And if, say, R was already in bed, often her dog would be in bed too on my side of the bed because I guess that's just where this dog always was prior to our relationship and i would walk up to the bed and be wanting to get into the bed and i would just very politely ask the dog (laughs) can you please move in dog language (laughs) (laughs) pretty much you know i mean the thing is is this dog understood a lot of those kind of things you know like you know i'm waving my hands like going like can you please move over please move over or whatever and this dog was just kind of staring at me in a way that reminded me of the way R would stare at me if I was making a weak kind of passive request like that. Just like, hmm, no. And I would try a little harder. And then eventually I would try to reach down to physically move her. And then she would get angry and growl at me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just kind of try to wedge myself in here (laughs) now to the edge of the bed. I got about six inches of room here. This is okay. And and that's pretty much how it went. And then that dog would sleep there all night, pretty much in my spot. And I'd be trying to kind of like wedged on the edge of the bed, just like afraid to upset this dog. Right, right. Not that I thought she would just growl at me if I, you know, just, but just there was something about this. Like I had to, I had to appease this dog for whatever reason. Like, well, same behaviors as yeah. with, with other people. Yeah, just it was. Kind of assuming that this dog in some way was more powerful than, than you or. Yeah, the same exact behaviors when I tried to walk this dog. The dog basically walked me. I mean, I think this happens with a lot of people. You're just like, oh, you know. Well, but didn't this happen with all the dogs that you eventually got? So you ended up with three dogs and two cats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so they, these just kept getting added one after another. I, I didn't want, first of all, I was perfectly fine, like I said, having no pets at all, but I inherited this dog, you know. And then I remember R thinking, well, we need a cat to be a friend for the dog. So, all right, I guess we'll get a cat. I've never owned a cat before. That's fine. The cat was had nothing to do with the dog. So, I don't understand. I mean, they, they didn't ever interact with each other. So, I don't know how they necessarily kept each other company. But But now we had a dog and a cat. And the cat had to sleep in the bed also and well as in like you know on my side of the bed of course um, <laughs> they all figured out yes. that your side of the bed and the, the the cat would wake me up in the morning to eat me not her right because i was the one that responded to it although i didn't necessarily give in and get up to feed the cat but it knew that it i was the one that was gonna get up eventually so four o'clock in the morning this cat's pestering me to so that's two and then mm -hmm. three more came along and yeah another dog came along shortly after that and similar thing that dog then had to sleep on the bed also <laughs> also by my feet so eventually there came another cat and another dog and the same thing they were all on the bed on my side of the bed and uh, it affected my sleep you know i felt as though i didn't want to roll over and crush these animals and stuff yet i didn't feel powerful enough to do anything about this like say hey, you know what you need to sleep on the floor or maybe we need to put these cats out of the room and close the door or something you know i just instead i just went with it and when you're walking them the dogs say for instance same thing they walk you right yeah yeah so eventually i'm walking three dogs and they're walking me yeah being we're walking around and and i'm not i'm not saying okay we're 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 walking we're we're moving here you need to do your business and then we get back to where you know back home it's the dog smelling something and i'm just going to stand there and let them smell and then in you know when it's one it's one thing but then when it's two and three <laughs> then they're all trying to smell something and i'm just standing there and these walks could wind up being an hour when I'm just, all I wanted to do was go out and have them go to the bathroom. And I'm resenting them as I would resent people. Right. <laughs> Even though this is obviously isn't deliberate at all. I, I mean, again, this is just animals, dogs being particularly good at picking up on a human cues. And the cue you were giving them was like, take your time. Right. <laughs> your time more, basically the, the cue was you were giving them was your time, dogs, is more valuable than my time. So if you want to spend a sniffing. <laughs> right. Then, <laughs> Do whatever you want. Yeah. But it was especially that first dog, because I would go out at the end of the night. I lived in a place where I had to walk the dog. Like there wasn't like a backyard where I could just let it out. I had to walk the dog so that it could go to the bathroom. And I got stuck with this job. So I would, yeah, I would walk this dog and I, I, and I would try to make it clear to the dog that we're out here <laughs> to just go to the bathroom so I can go to bed. But no, usually these walks would wind up being half hour, 45 minutes. Because I understood and or I was told that this dog needed to go to the bathroom before I could go to bed. This was coming from R, of course. Right. Know? And the, the expectation was that I would do that before bed walk you know put on clothes go out walk this dog try to get the dog go to the bathroom by asking it you know <laughs> <laughs> then resenting it when it didn't, <laughs> when it didn't. and it's just smelling everything sure. and i'm just like okay yeah i mean it can be a pretty good life for animals to live with the coat of i know it really i mean it seemed like i was the pet <laughs> <laughs> And similarly, kind of with, with food, yeah, they they set the agenda with food. 
Right. Well, like I said with the cats, like the cats would pester me until I fed them. The the dogs, you know, I would get an anxiety if they didn't eat immediately or if they tried to eat each other's food or something like that. You know, I I just yeah, I would go out of my way to to just make sure that their dining experience was a safe and comfortable environment <laughs> and that they had everything they wanted and needed. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, dogs are essentially scavengers. And I'm not against treating dogs well. <laughs> I mean, I, I again, I love dogs, but I mean, they're going to eat when they're hungry. They're not going to starve themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've come to learn basically from you, from pet sitting more recently after making all this progress on my codependent behaviors and, and 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 you pointing that out and going you know what yeah you're right why we don't have to force them to eat like you shouldn't have to f- you know so you put food in front of a dog and if they don't want to eat that probably means they're not hungry <laughs> and the dog doesn't necessarily get to dictate what you give them to eat you know just like no i don't like that if i hold out long enough they're going to give me something else <laughs> which is often what happens and you know i recognize this can be difficult because I went through it with children. <laughs> I mean, if you think it's hard putting a dish full of dog food in front of a dog and having them not eat, you know, try with a, a toddler, you know, spending time making them a meal and they eat nothing. But so I guess I was kind of, was kind of trial by fire in that way. I just got used to the fact that if I can accept my kid not eating, I can certainly accept that a dog is not going to eat and not going to starve themselves. Right. Yeah. And what, what happened in this case that I'm talking about, this more recent case is is that sure enough, an hour later, or maybe the next meal or something, now they now they chow down just fine. Well, it's so interesting, too, because, gosh, they are so smart in this kind of codependent way, in, mm-hmm. in this figuring out people. Because, say, I've petted dogs, or I've had dogs at my house, who at their house have certain rules, like they'll sleep in the bed, or they'll get up on furniture, and then I have different rules. And it takes almost nothing to get dogs to understand that there are different rules. Yeah. In a different environment. In a different environment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Like if you're clear with them, every time they get up on the bed, say, put them back down or put them on their dog bed, it it takes almost nothing at all. Yeah. Well, and that part of my problem is, is that, is the being clear with them because I would get a similar feeling inside as I got when I was potentially disappointing a human would be, I, I can't really enforce this or I'm out for a walk, especially the walk thing, right? They're trying to smell something. I can't yank on them or whatever. You know, that's how it feels like that I'm 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 putting them out or I'm disciplining them or something by just trying to go for a walk. By but I know that there's clear ways that dogs understand when the human is in charge on walks. I just could not pull that off. Right. That's kind of compulsive people pleasing in this case is mm-hmm. <laughs> extending to our furry animal friends. Like this the idea of you asserting your needs or desires over theirs mm-hmm. causes the sense of anxiety. Yeah, and I totally understand that it doesn't, the way to do it is not jumping, just like with humans, it's not, it's not jumping from letting the dog do absolutely anything they want whenever they want to now suddenly I'm beating on this dog and disciplining it or something. It's not that. It's just asserting myself and, and, and my needs and, and being pretty much the pack leader of the dog. That doesn't, it doesn't require anything more than that. But uh, yeah, I still struggle with it. <laughs> so it's good, good practice. Yeah, it is. It's to be around, to be around dogs. Yeah. And you had a dog with Jay as well. I did, right. That, once again, it was her dog brought in from before we were together. And, and it's a similar thing. I was expected to walk this 
dog and once again this dog walked me including eating things off the ground and and you know I'm, ah, what am i supposed to do it's eating something off the ground oh no i can't stop it from eating something off the ground <laughs> right so all of these pets we either brought into the relationship by your narcissistic partners or they acquired, acquired them collected them it sounds like even yeah. what do you think was going on there i mean what were all these women getting from pets there was definitely an easy validation from these animals. It's just something that I, I could kind of easily observe at the time without even understanding narcissism and all that was that what I did know at the time is that they had a hard time being validated by other people and would feel attacked or misunderstood on a regular basis. But these dogs, they provided it unconditionally all day, every day. Right, which is great for many of us. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's nice about dogs, especially. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Is they're very loving slash adoring. And they get excited when you come in the door. And you can kind of do no wrong in their eyes. And they can help you emotionally regulate. So, obviously, someone who is emotionally dysregulated, like narcissists are, and who is really desperate for that validation and attention. Yeah, so this was an easy source. And that's a dynamic I've kind of read about online, people talking about almost how narcissists like dogs more than they like people. And I'm not saying if you like dogs more like your people, you're narcissists, but right, right, right. <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah, it does yeah. seem like, you know, they have empathy challenges with people part because people don't always do what they want them to do and don't always behave in the way that they want them to behave. Right, yeah. So if you have this creature that y you have much more control over, it's far easier to empathize and be affectionate with that creature. Yeah, and it could fill some hole that they may have in that sort of validation bucket. And that seems to be the case. It's so easy, easy for me now on hindsight to see that those kind of things. Well, and R really cultivated an image of being this great animal lover, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was part of her persona. Because something I've I've noticed, I mean, this was with both of my narcissistic partners, was they were looking for some kind of edge, some, some way of making, you know, obviously this goes with the grandiosity, looking for a way to, to seem like a, a good person or like a altruistic person or I care about people or I care about these causes wh whether they do or not which when it came to the human causes it was very clear that both of them were just making that stuff up because there would be no actions behind these words but with the pets yeah with with R especially it was like I I love animals I love I love dogs I'm gonna do all these extracurricular like she became a dog walker she tried she worked for a vet for a while to it just well, for a brief while yeah, very brief while. I mean, it was it's same with the the dog walking. That was brief. Mainly, what she did was collect animals and then have you take care of them. Yes. Well, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, so it was it was a stance. It was like I really love dogs and 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 do and I love the way dogs treat me. But then when it came to actually doing the the day to day work on it, when I was there, that largely became something that I would take care of. The The more difficult ones, like say, like I was talking about end of night walks, or say, what, having to walk them in the rain or something like that, it just... Or prepare special food for them or... Yeah, yeah, I had to do that. Yeah, so like special diet foods or w whatever the most difficult jobs were to keep take to take care of these animals that usually fell on me because that was the dynamic of the relationship. To me, if you're someone who really loves pets or say really loves dogs, then you don't want to just collect them and post them on social media. You you actually want to 
be very involved in their day-to-day care. That was largely offloaded to you. With R, she also wanted to kind of go in above and beyond with these things with, with the dogs that didn't really make a lot of sense, like like get birthday cakes for, for their birthdays and take them absolutely everywhere. Right. So, I don't see that as taking care of. I mean, dogs don't need birthday cake. <laughs> in fact, it's probably unhealthy, right? Dogs don't need to be taken everywhere to restaurants and because that's uncomfortable for them. That's not places that they need to be or should be. I mean, so again, that's t- that sounds more like to me the ways in which a dog serves her image, not mm-hmm. the ways in which she can serve the dog. And Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like you said, restaurants, that was a good example. That that seemed to be a little bit of an uncomfortable place, at, at least for two of the three dogs where, you know. You would they, take all three dogs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the dogs didn't like to go anywhere. I mean, the dog wanted to be next to me as much as possible, but going on hikes and things like that, this dog didn't want to do that. But we dragged the dog along, though. <laughs> that dog probably wanted to be next to you because that dog figured out that you were going to be taking care of it. Yeah. Well, and the third one, too. Really, it was the the first dog, the one that R brought into the relationship that still kept this kind of... The narcissist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, that dog was... She was trained by R to be a narcissist. Yeah, basically. it seemed like it, right? Yeah. Yeah, the other ones were just a different dynamic. The other ones just sort of just seemed more like my dogs, even though I didn't want more dogs. <laughs> because, again, they understood that you were the one to go to if they needed to be fed, if they needed to be walked, if they needed actual care. Yeah. Or, you know, to whatever, pet them, let them sleep on my side of the bed, <laughs> whatever it was. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went way too far in the in the in that direction, obviously. What about cats? How do they play in? Well, you know, yeah, that, that one's harder to pinpoint because, yeah, I mean, I obviously did things like scoop the litter box and and gave the food to the cats and stuff like Even that. Even though again they were it was ours idea to bring cats into the relationship yeah. doing all. But that. but I mean other than that the the cats were just kind of there. There wasn't a lot of like it's not like we took the cats with us to restaurants or on hikes or So the know. focus is really on the dogs. Yeah, the dogs. Which, were, yeah, so I'd be like totally interested to hear from listeners who've had experience with pets and also had experience with narcissistic partners and and to hear about what people's the dynamic was. Yeah. This sounds familiar to people. Yeah, because it, it's just interesting to think about those two sides of it, like b- being how did my codependent behaviors show up, not just with the partner in relation to the animals, but how did it show up directly with the animals? You know, it it, it was kind of like a double layer of codependency going on there. You're trying to serve both the, the, the narcissist partner and then also the animals. And then, so the example that you just gave him, like kind of hauling this dog who was basically a homebody to restaurants and up mountains on hikes and stuff, is this example again of not real caretaking. Right. Like not being able to say, what does this dog actually need and give it to them rather than just reactively responding from a place of codependency. Right. I think I was, yeah, I was mostly trying, similar to the way I was trying to read the human's emotions and going, uh-oh, this person's feeling something, this person's feeling angry, this person's whatever, and I need to try to manage that. Yeah, I would do that with the animals. Like, oh, the dog's whining at me. It must want to play, <laughs> right. to go outside. A lot of times I couldn't figure that out, but I'm, I'm trying 20 different things. But even say going for a walk, right? I mean, they don't, at the end of the day... 
they don't necessarily need to sniff every little thing they need to sniff. What they need to do is to learn how to go to the bathroom quickly and then be done. I mean, that's best for everyone involved. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you can't create that experience for them. You can't actually take care of them that way. They can't actually learn what they need to know to be in this family ecosystem successfully because you're so afraid of their displeasure or distress or... Right. And the, that fear being this animal is not going to like me. What's what's the impl implication on me being? So if I don't let this dog sniff the stuff for 45 minutes before I go to bed, then it's going to stop liking. Or I'm failing in some way, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Just again, the tapping into this, these fear and shame that mm -hmm. you didn't understand. And this is a whole other topic, but I always wondered how that would play out if I had children, which I never did. But Right. It's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, wow, man, I wonder if I would have behaved in a similar way, probably, in some ways. That's a scary thought. Well, not that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap this one up. And again, people can leave comments or send us stories. I'd really be interested to hear about people's experiences with, with their own pets. Yeah, for sure. And the ways in which maybe their codependency is showing up in that relationship as well. And we hope you join us in a couple of weeks for another episode. Thank you.